Hello, and welcome to the Elam Thriving Podcast. We're here to connect you with information and resources that promote thriving. Our goal is to see you and the individuals with disabilities that you support thriving together in community. In this episode, I interviewed Carlos Bester, an educator in Chicago Public Schools, on restorative practices and how to build relationships with students to improve behavior management in the classroom. Welcome back to Elam Thriving. My name is Nick Milano, and I'm joined today by Carlos Bester. Carlos, thank you for joining us. Would you please give us a brief rundown of your background and your current role? Okay, uh, I am in my current my 20th year of teaching in Chicago Public Schools. Uh, I'm dean of students. Also, I am a uh, what you would call an advanced math teacher. I teach a uh, sixth, seventh, well, seventh, eighth grade now. Uh, anywhere from pre-algebra all the way to uh, high school algebra, and then on certain occasions, the highest I've taught is a uh, multivariable calculus. Um, I'm a formal basketball basketball coach, high school and middle school. Um, what else? What else? Um, I'm on the administrative team of my school, Prisker Elementary in Chicago, Illinois, Wicker Park, uh, go Wildcats. <laughs> and I think that's all I can think of right now. <laughs> wow, you've done it all for sure. That's great. So before we were recording, we were talking briefly about restorative practices. It might be helpful. What is your definition of that term? Um, my definition of restorative practices is... Um, to restore some type of balance between the students that have that have had some type of imbalance in between them, whether it's a fight, argument, um, cheating, um, talking back, uh, some type of issues that's keeping them from being the best student that they could be. Mm-hmm. So we could restore what balance that that what whatever balance there was that was disrupted. Then or get close to it, then that's that's somewhat a of, of a victory for me. Mm-hmm. Something at least. Cool. So yeah, all. it sounds a lot more like we're trying to address the root of the cause rather than just punish the behavior. Correct. Exactly, because my my um, train of thought is I don't want to deal with it again, mm-hmm. and I don't want the student to deal with it again, or the teachers to deal with it again, or the admin to deal with it again. So if we get eliminated. And at the same time, where we're like, um, I guess the students are in the detention, then we could we could do that. So, my detention, I, I also host the detention too. Some dean of students that got gifted that after the, the original person um, got married and moved to Europe and started teaching over there. So, mm-hmm. um, I have these questions that I ask the students every time, um, just a regular form, and then. Uh, they fill out the form and I read the form. And then um, when I have time, if I have time, I get a chance to talk to all the students about what we could do to make this situation better, the different choices that they could have made mm-hmm. to um, make the situation better. And then different reactions to their choices, just so that they're aware of how powerful their um, responses are to other people. Do you happen to know any of those questions offhand? Because it sounds like that's a really great idea for teachers to use as some sort of form or some way to get students thinking about what they're doing. 
Um, this is this is the weird thing about me. If I don't if I don't see it, I don't think about it. So the only time I even actually think about it is when I have to have to do detention or I have to do some type of discipline or dean duties. <laughs> yeah, I just I just make sure I focus on the math, mm-hmm. enjoy the kids, um, learning and teaching, and um, and having fun at the same time. So yeah, but if, uh, yeah, I haven't looked at it in over nine months i think the last time i did attention was in early march so i haven't looked at it that's a good point (laughs) without being in school it's really hard to do that sort of things yeah makes sense so how did you get introduced to restorative practices um well it's kind of a long story i came started back when i started teaching so in 2001 um i graduated uh, ended up at Prisker School, which is was a, which is a blessing. This guy's a whole different story in itself. Um, young black male from the West Side of Chicago. Um, a lot of the black males at school started gravitating toward, gravitating towards me. I was a coach, young coach, and then um, my third year, we uh, the school achieved like won its first city championship in basketball for seventh grade, six, fifth, sixth grade boys were undefeated. Mm-hmm. Played a future, played a couple of future, uh, like McDonald McDonald's All Americans. Wow. Um, and ever since then, like uh, a lot of kids have been sent to my room and stuff. Not, not by my choice at all, because I was busy trying to teach and trying to get what I need to get done. But they saw that I had a connection with the kids, and then um, I get the kids to actually do stuff that other teachers couldn't do, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's like sitting down and relaxing and doing their work or, you know, just finding out what, what's the issue, what's the issue is with why they're being so disruptive. So, um, had a, a leadership change and where at the same time I was going to get my type 75 and I was purely going to get my type 75 just so I get a pay raise. And then my current boss, which is, she's great. Um, She's just stuck me in a role, and I've been like interim principal. I've been um, principal at uh, man in charge when both the principal and the vice principal have been gone for days or even weeks because of uh, stat uh, because of professional development stuff like mm-hmm. that. When I'm sick, um, and they've sent me to restore the justice meetings when I didn't want to go. Um, <laughs> they just volunteered me to go, and then. Uh, I've been told that my style, what I was doing in the first place was actually what restorative justice was, you know, so if, it, if it's just a matter of me wanting to not deal with that issue again, I guess that's the restorative justice. Mm-hmm. The next interaction with that, that issue. <laughs> so it sounds like relationships are really key to how you go about handling student management and behavioral like, issues. How do you go about building these relationships? Um. I don't know if this is uh, standard with what you learn in college, but um, I've, I'm com- almost completely open with my students. So they know a lot about me. Uh, their parents know a lot about me. And um, I share stories with, with them about when I was a teenager or their age or whatever, or something that's relevant to the situation that's going on. So um, with me being a math teacher, uh, one of my goals in class is to teach what I need to teach in less than 20 minutes. I have over, I have 90 minutes uh, for each class, mm-hmm. but I prefer to like have those kids in front of me learn and make mistakes. Cause I, I don't know what 
if parents know the math or not. I just assume that parents don't know the math. Right. Just, so it's just easy for me to to communicate with the kids and stuff like that. And then um, during those times where like we work together or we work independently or they're working with their partners, I let them have some. I call it, I don't have a name for it, but ninety percent work, ten percent stupid. So <laughs> they can talk about whatever they want to with that ten percent, as long as they're talking about work and doing the work. And then um, I walk around, you know, like what a normal teacher does, and monitor what they're um, working on and what they're talking about. And then um, they'll ask me a question. Next thing you know, I'm going to the stories that's related to the question. It may be math related, it may not be math related. So, like my students know that I have two motorcycles. My students know that. Uh, I'm buying property. Mm-hmm. Um, my students know that I invest in stock. Um, my students even know that I smoke cigars and drink whiskey. <laughs> I actually got a, I actually got a couple of Christmas gifts from um, uh, from the parents whiskey. Oh like, wow! Yeah, I got a, a nice bottle of whiskey, and I got an, another gift. I got a gift card to uh, Benny's from my parents. So, <laughs> <laughs> sounds like that vulnerability and that openness has paid off. Yeah, they, I mean, I mean, I, it's amazing. I can get the kids to think. I don't, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I guess it's a relationship thing, you know. Mm-hmm. So I swear to kids, I tell them, um, you know, if you if you're doing something that's interesting to me and stuff like that, you know, just shoot me an invite. Don't shoot me a last minute invite because I got stuff to do. Right. And um, I tell them the stuff that I gotta do. I tell them I'm, I gotta go. I gotta be in the streets tonight. So the streets ain't nothing but like either my best friend's house or. At home, chilling, watching TV. <laughs> Hold now, but yeah, it, it, the relationship thing is really, really strong, and um, it uh, it does a lot. I, I still, I still have students come back to me and talk to me till this day about stuff that they learned. So that's awesome. <laughs> so this ninety, I really like the ninety percent work, ten percent stupid theory. How do you? implement that is that something you start right out of the gate or is it something that you build up you're all business and then you sprinkle in a little silliness on the side how do you go about implementing that kind of thing in your well, it's, it's uh i learned it um it's like kids are going to be kids kids are going to talk especially the kids that talk all the time and get in trouble talking all the time mm-hmm. and so sometimes i would let them sit next to their friend pick their own seats or i would create the seats where they will sit next to someone who doesn't talk that much but um like I'm giving them a little bit of leeway and I don't want to be, I want to make the school a prison, you know, the prison pipeline thing. I, I just don't want them to just not be able to express themselves or explain um, what was going on in their lives. And I found it easier for them to actually help each other when they're talking about other stuff too and actually doing the work, you know? So I've actually overheard conversations with uh, kids talking about girlfriends, boyfriends, and then why they're actually working and then, I'm still eavesdropping in uh, one kid say, Oh, I got a problem with this. And they just start explaining. And I just wait to, I just wait to um, see if they make a mistake and they don't make mistakes. So I was like, Hey, let me just, let me just shut the hell up and let's see how far I can go with this. <laughs> <laughs> and then it, it's been working so far. I'm like, I've, like, I, I got uh, recruited to do a network, uh, a network teaching job. Oh, cool. And CPS, I think it's like maybe 50 teachers that's doing it in the whole entire district. And um, yeah, it's, yeah, um, we got that. And then um, I guess to add to it with this network district job, I found out that recently before the break that I had like the highest attendance Wow! in the district. So it's like, 
man, this CPS is a hell of a big district, and I didn't know I had to, I, I wasn't aiming for it. Well, I, I'm not gonna say I wasn't aiming for it, but yeah, it's you know, a pleasant side effect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, um, my network boss asked me um, how am I doing it, and um, my first reaction was, um, I don't know how the hell I'm doing because <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just doing what I do, and um, and um, she's like, well. We gotta find out something because they got they had a meeting the next day, uh, and uh, so what I did was uh, I recorded the transcripts and I just asked kids uh, why they come to to this class for an hour every day after school is over. They don't get out of school till five o'clock, all of them. Right. And, um, they just started typing stuff. They just said, uh, "I talk about real stuff. Uh, I'm a better, way better math teacher than their math teacher," which was like, "Oh man, okay." I do I do talk trash a lot when I talk about math. I'm not I'm not gonna say I'm the best, but I'm definitely not the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh and just simple things like that. So um I sent those transcripts to her and try to I highlight the stuff that I wanted her to focus on because you know sometimes we get off topic. We might be we might talk about the movies. I try to keep it as normal as possible. And um the next day she took it to her boss and then all of a sudden um her boss sent out this uh, email about um, behavioral, um, social, emotional uh, behavior and asking all the teachers to become, uh, bring, create more of a relationship with the kids, which, which is definitely kind of hard online. But I mean, yeah, it, the relationships help out a lot. I actually had a parent um, from one of these schools, from, from one of these kids from that school that I've never met before, except through Zoom asked me to write a recommendation for her son, which I've only known for what, maybe six weeks. Right. Yeah. So that was kind of strange. I was kind of wondering like, what happened to your math teacher? She said, I don't like my math teacher. Mm-hmm. I don't like his math teacher either. <laughs> that's what that's what they said. I was like, oh okay. Well, I'm, never mind I still got to fill it out before it's due this on Monday. <laughs> wow. So I love that the SEL comes out through relationships. So how do you frame those kind of conversations to get kids to discuss their feelings? Because it sounds like that is a really challenge, especially over zoom where a lot of teachers are struggling to get kids to even turn their cameras on. Yeah. Um, it's, I guess this is a, I don't don't think I can actually frame it, but it's, it's one of those things where, listening and knowing the kids through the relationships and again the, the relationship is key you know so a lot of the students that i have that's in my own room now or in uh, my math classes i've actually had interaction with them personally you know and we talk about stuff and like i know most of them and most of them do know me because i've been there so long and so i've either coached um their siblings in some cases i've even coached, coached some of their parents which is mm-hmm make me feel real old right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, some kids actually went to school there with the high school and uh, everything else with their parents. So, I mean, they know me and I know them. If I don't know them, I try to get to know them whenever I, when I, have, whenever I have the opportunity. So um, I guess it wasn't that hard. I mean, it was kind of hard at first with the over Zoom with probably this after school class but you know i had to change some rules i had to change some things and go i had to make what cps made a priority and rules for us make it i had to actually make it work for me yeah you know so 
adapting stuff. With the camera sense. thing, yeah, with the camera thing. Um, you know, I don't know if he knows, but CPS said we can't force the kids to have the camera on. Oh. So it's like, okay, well, you know what? I'll the kids that I need to have on, I'll make them stay on, but like I'll ask. And th- and that's what me and my team did. We ask. And um they'll turn it on. It's like, yeah, and uh, it's like, man, let me let me see a beautiful I'll say, let me see your beautiful faces for a second, because I'm st- I'm tired of looking at all these black screens. <laughs> and then they'll turn it on, and then uh some of them will look tired, some of them will be all energetic, uh, some of them will think they'll look weird and yeah, they would be right on that. But, you know, that, I mean, I tell them about that's when we start relating and we talk about stuff and probably when you start math class, like another 10 to 15 minutes after we actually had, officially had to start math class. So, yeah, you know, still building up. Yeah, I see. Yeah. And I, sometimes I just I just let them talk because sometimes they just, they just want to talk and figure out stuff, you know, so mm-hmm. um, and just get advice. So you mentioned earlier listening and knowing is key. So what should a teacher listen closely to and remember about kids? Um, Definitely what they're interested in. um, Maybe a little bit about their family, if they're willing to open up about their family. Um, But definitely what they're they're interested in or be kind of receptive and open to what they want to talk about. You know, so like sometimes kids just don't want to talk about math and I'm not going to lie to you. I, I don't want to talk about math either, but I'd say we got to push through. But at the same time, we talk about other stuff, you know, or, you know, just find out what their interests, their interests are and that, uh, find out what their interests are or find out what's on their mind. And that could be that, I guess, that gateway to building that relationship. And if you can relate to it, that'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it sounds like even if a teacher is maybe not familiar or comfortable, they need to push through because that's valuable. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like we, me and my students, we uh, uh, we talk about music, and like I'm old now, so I just don't listen to the newer music like I did back when I was younger. And um, they they tell me about rap, hip hop, and I tell them about the stuff I used to listen to. Then they give me suggestions on what to read. I mean, what to listen to. I give them suggestions, and then um, even during like when we were um we're, um, we're in the classroom. But I was like, you know what? Let's let's do music today while we're doing math. So, um, I I have them create a playlist, and I'll create the playlist on YouTube, and then they listen to the music while they're doing math. And I was like, I don't know how I could do that with the with the um remote, but it actually worked. I actually tried it. Cool. Sent out, sent out a uh, what do you call it? A survey, Google yeah. survey. They filled it out with their songs. They had to have certain parameters, um, that in order for the song to make the list, and then um. Some sometimes I check list, sometimes I don't. You know, that might bite me in the ass every once in a while. <laughs> but like, uh, they pretty much create a a playlist on YouTube, and I, I just put it on my CPS account, YouTube account, and then like I play it while they're doing the work, and they just like it. So they they get to listen to different genres of music. Um, they either talk about if it's good or not. Uh, they talk about why they would listen to it. It's it's a whole production. At the same time, you'd be amazed they're actually doing their work and getting it done. Right. Just from listening and taking their input and playing their music, it sounds like that is a powerful tool. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Plus, I, I make it I make it a point to um to tell them it's okay to ask questions. Um and uh, make sure you formulate the question. Don't be afraid to ask questions. You know, so then also tell them um 
there's a thing where a lot of people say there's no such thing as a stupid question. And um, I truly don't believe that there are stupid questions in the world. So I just, that's, that's, I definitely make my students formulate that question and make sure that that question makes sense before they ask. I don't, I don't want them to look stupid in front of anybody else. Yeah, that's a great skill to have for adulthood, too. I mean, wow. That's yeah, awesome. yeah, yeah. I mean, you've heard a stupid question before, right? I'm oh, a, uh, yeah. No, I'm not gonna, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not gonna dance around that topic. Oh, that's the that's those that's a great question. No, that's a stupid question. I have a problem saying that either. <laughs> I love your honesty with your students. It sounds like it does really truly help them versus just oh, yeah, yeah. placating and yeah, making them feel all bubbly inside. Because what it sounds like a lot of teachers view of restorative practices is that it is very touchy feely good make everybody feel happy and good but you're doing more real and conversational things to teach life skills yeah so can you talk a little bit more about just the framework and how it works when you get one-on-one with a kid i could talk about what i guess i can recall what we would talk about uh so i have this kid who who um, walked out and walked out. I got so many stories. Um, let me see. Let me focus on the kid first. Uh, I got this kid who uh, either cheated or they were disrespected, disrespect, disrespecting the, the teacher or something like that. So, you know, I could be in the middle of class teaching and then all of a sudden that kid is sent up to me saying, Mr. Bester, can you watch this kid for us? And I was like, uh, I'm teaching advanced high school algebra right now, <laughs> but okay. And I tell the kid to sit down and, uh, you know, um, I tell them sit down and wait, um, cool off. We'll talk about it once I'm done, talk to the kid. So they can, um, you know, just cool off stuff. And I'll tell them, just think about, why are you up here and think about what they, why they sent you to me mm-hmm. versus going straight to the office. So there's a reason why they sent it to me first during the school day. Cause like, I don't, I don't really have time to do stuff, doing stuff during school day. Cause I'm teaching. So first thing is make them sit down, cool down, relax, and think about why they were sent upstairs to me instead of going down to the office to the vice principal. And um, once I get a chance to um, talk to them, we talk about what happened then I asked some questions. Um, why do you think that happened? Uh, what's another alternative uh, action or response that you could have taken to not make that happen? Um, did you have to respond in that manner? Uh, I was just asked certain types of questions to make them think, how can I approach this differently? The same switch, if it's the same situation every time, how can I approach this differently? You know, so I guess the coach B comes out of me and then, um, you know, um, that I always talk, I'll talk my players to look at different options while they're coming down the court and know the options before they even make the choice, you know, or choose. And uh, I guess it's kind of the same thing with this. You know, if you if you have if you have a teacher and you have a student that just do not get along, um, I would say, why give a person a gun who who's holding the gun bullets? Why would you, you know, so, you know, if you know that person has a gun, you don't know that person is loaded. Don't give them the bullets to, so they can load it. You know, just, man, sometimes you just got to ride through that class and get it over with, you know, do what you need to do. Sometimes you just don't need to talk to that teacher or vice versa. Sometimes the teacher just doesn't need to talk to that student, you know, so 
Um, then we come to uh, like a conclusion. Then we talk about uh, a visitation schedule, I guess, where I would come check on that kid and I'll check with the teacher and everything, see how everything's going. And then uh, I would invite the kid back to the classroom. And then I'll also give the student an opportunity to come to my classroom if or go or pick someone's classroom that they go to where they get cool down and stuff like that if uh if the issue ever arose again you know so um it's that's kind of like the i guess my maybe one of my base frameworks it's it's all dependent depending on the, each kid i guess mm-hmm. if that makes sense absolutely so i think a lot of this is challenging that restorative practices don't always assume that the teacher is always right. So do teachers need growth in this area as well? And if they do, how can they get started? I think so. So I, I like, I do a lot of reflecting uh, after school on some days, uh, usually on um, Fridays after I do detention and I was like, man, I do the regular teacher thing. Like, man, should I do something else or something like that? Uh, and then I get I get thinking like okay what can I do to make this better next time uh, and I can even have I have great weeks and I have horrible weeks and I got horrible days I got horrible and great days just like any other teacher so I I just do a lot of reflecting self reflecting what can I do to make this better what can this kid do to make this better um, was what I was doing horrible was the topic horrible um, how could I what could I do to have these kids relate to me and uh, me relate to them you know so i do do a lot of uh, self-reflecting on fridays so mm-hmm. yeah it's usually after i'm done with detention or uh, maybe i don't know I, I might go home or go to my buddy's house we might talk and i might have some whiskey and smoke a cigar and chill you know <laughs> but i do do a lot of reflecting just so i can make sure that i can make the job easier for me next time comes yeah. around so when you're doing this reflecting how long does this process take um, well, let's see what's the timeline. So my detention is over at 5.15. I gotta wait till the last kid is picked up or yeah, basically picked up. So that's anywhere from, sometimes it's, it starts at 5.15, sometimes it starts like 5.30, 5.45. So it, it the whole process may take anywhere from 15 to uh, maybe 45 minutes. No, I try to make it 15, you know, because that's a decompression time for me, too. So it's like, man, let me just sit down. If I don't even if I don't even think I just sit down just to not think about school, not think about work. But I do reflect, you know, so um, it'll be it back in my classroom. It'll be in my chair. I might turn the lights off. I might turn some hip hop instrumentals on. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about what happened this week uh, or think about that student that uh, that has some issues or think about how I can help this, the teacher they had an issue with the with the student. Um, how am I approaching? How will I approach? Will I do it personally? Will I shoot an email? Something like that. But it'll take maybe like minimum fifteen minutes. Okay. Yeah. So let's shift the conversation a little bit. We've been talking about restorative practices. I want to talk more about like you've held this position as a dean. So what have you learned from your time in this position? Um, one. I know that a dean is more hands-on with students, which I recently found out that that's kind of what I want to do instead of going into administration. I'm on the administrative team at my school, so I do handle administrative duties with teaching and stuff like that, I guess. But um, the dean is more hands-on with the students. I get to know more students. Um, 
there is just not, oh, you go, you got detention, you got detention, you got detention. You know, it's uh to me, it's uh make, trying to make that kid become a better student or a better player, as I would say, than the day before. So, you know, finding what what it is, what what can we do, what can I do, what can they do to help them improve themselves, make their life a little bit better than the day it was before. You know, so yeah, I don't I don't take the the strict discipline disciplinarian approach to that all the time. Yeah, it sounds a lot like the old school strike fear into the hearts of kids isn't your approach. Um, is there any drawbacks? I mean, I'm sure there's drawbacks to both styles. There's always drawbacks, but what are the big drawbacks of the old school mentality of don't let the kids see you smile until Christmas and, you know, strike the fear into them. Oh, you know what? Um, it's crazy that you say that. Cause I feel like that's why I got hired. Cause I'm six feet tall, black man from the West side. So, you know, like, uh, my, my students have told me that I just look mean and it's like really and I tell them don't don't be afraid to ask don't don't think I'm mean all the time don't even think I'm mean at any time but they said it's like best you just look you look like you're about to beat somebody up all the time it's like okay <laughs> so <laughs> so they get a chuckle out of me with that but um the the strike fear thing um I, I know my administration has used that before that's why they send the kids to me because they know like when I'm teaching math, I'm like dead serious because I, I want to talk about it for the least amount of time as possible. So I'm focused. So when I'm focused, I guess I look mean and intense. And so, um, you know, I don't try to, I do not try to strike fear in any of the students, but also let them know from the jump and just from me coaching a long time, I'm not scared of them either. And I'm not scared of too many people. I tell them one person I'm scared of is my father. <laughs> yeah that's a whole that's a whole different set of that's a whole right. different story too you know so but like you know i could be laughing at you and laughing with you and stuff like that but you like you're not going to ever intimidate me mm-hmm. so i let them know that off the jump and then i just started talking about stuff and then um you know it's 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 uh it's different you know uh, i guess i gotta be firm well you know you have to be firm but at the same time I still gotta be understanding so um I got to make judgment calls. I got to do my research, stuff like that, and find out what's true, what's not true. Mm-hmm. But um, it's, you know, I definitely don't try to strike fear into the kids because something, you know, you never know what they're dealing with at home. They might be dealing with somebody that might look just like me and it was not, a, not even close to being as nice to me. You know, um, they just might, they might be starving because they, their own situation is just not that good. Um, they might not have any sleep you know, because they might just be tired just because he's just roaming around all the time because they don't have a place to sleep, period. You know, so as, as long as while we're, while I'm disciplining, um, the fact that I know a lot of the kids already and, um, you know, if the it's just a, a matter of me remembering a lot more about that kid so I did not get to pro- approach them a certain type of way, you know, so I'm just not, not going to generalize, say all the students are the same. I know for a fact, all the students are the same, just like all people aren't the same. Mm-hmm. So I had to approach every kid differently. You know, some, some ways, some approaches may be similar, but they might, not, may, they may not end differently. They might, they may end differently. So it's just, uh, you know, I definitely don't use the intimidation factor. Right. 
Definitely don't. Um, but the, the students also know that I'm not intimidated by them, their parents, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, the students know that I won't back down from their parents. So, you know, yeah, I, yeah I, and sometimes I talk trash too, just to let them know that I won't, I won't back down. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, and that's just coaching me too. But, I mean, it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 it's been an interesting experience. So everything that I've dealt with has been kind of interesting. Um, and, but it's definitely different, but that intimidation factor is not the best way to start off, um, being a Dean, you know, so, you know, I'm, I'm not that TV Dean or anything like that movie Dean where, yeah, yeah. You, you silly kids, that stupid stuff like that. I don't do that stuff. Yeah, it doesn't sound like that is really effective today. So what I've been gathering throughout this is kids are going to be kids. They're going to make those choices. And like you mentioned in this last response, like yeah, we don't know if they're having sleep issues, if they're having hunger issues, if there's a maturity or a home issue. So how can we help grow kids in their maturity for those students who might struggle in that area and act out in ways that are not desired in the classroom maybe through being silly or disrespect or any other sleeping in class there's so many ways that it manifests itself but how can we help kids grow in that maturity yeah the again like knowing the kids the relationship is very important so um one i found that if students are comfortable around me and they're more open to saying stuff about being telling me certain things you know um and sometimes that's the a gift and a curse sometimes kids are telling me stuff and it's like man i I did not want to know that at all, <laughs> but, you know, because they told me that they, they told me that conference, I got to try to help them or direct them in the best way possible. So, you know, made the kids feel comfortable, uh, being vulnerable, vulnerable to, um, to them, um, being open to listen. And sometimes it's just, just a matter of listening, you know? Um, so with the sleep thing, you know, like we've all been there, um, like, how we got to that point may be different. So like me not having any sleep is maybe way different from that student not having any sleep. And sometimes the same thing, it might be video games. That's why we got no sleep. Um, they might be hungry, uh, tired from doing all this other stuff or they just can't sleep because of the environment. Um, I, I share I share my experience. So that's like, I grew up in that same type of environment. Uh, not as bad a lot as a lot of these kids and then and I tell, still tell them today, even till the day, sometimes I deal with that type of stuff, you know, maybe for different reasons, you know, I might not get sleep because I was being, hanging out with my friends and stuff like that. And I just got in maybe like two hours before it's time to go back to work, something like that. Um, so mm -hmm. giving them an opportunity to, instead of punishing them, like, man, you know what, for that situation, like, hey, uh, here, I give you 10 minutes, take a nap right there, chill, relax. And then after that 10, 10 minutes, and I say 10 minutes just so they get up in 10 minutes, but I usually give them 15 minutes just because, just because, like, they may need that 15 minutes. It's like, get up, get refreshed, let's do a little bit of work, and, you know, you take another break, relax, and then, um, you know, when it's time to go to the other class, get focused, you know. So I'll sacrifice my class time because I know I don't need that long to teach, you know, and I don't collect the homework that day sometimes. Mm -hmm. And I know I have opportunity to talk to that student about their work anyway. But like, like I said, every student's different. So you treat each situation differently. So yeah, this is a kid that I know for sure is just tired because of bad home situations. 
you know, I give them a shot. I tell them, like, hey, do that. Rest up real quick, you know, because I don't want you to take that to other class. If this kid is playing video games, like, um, dude, you need, you need to sh- shut that down, you know, because, one, I'm telling your mama that you're playing video games. I already know you're playing video games. Your mama is cool with me. You, and, you know, I might crack a joke every, every once in a while. You, like, you, your mama got a crush on me, so I ain't got no problem. I was <laughs> just, just just like the mood, you know. And sometimes it backfires on, on me, too, because the kids be like, oh, man, she do. How do you know? It's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh, man, I was just talking trash. You know, but uh, it's, it's, it's different situations. So that video game kid, uh, yeah, tell your parents, like, this is going to keep you keep from going to uh, – this is going to make you go to summer school. The other kid that has having a rough uh, life at home, you know, I try my best to support them. Um, kid hungry. Sometimes I'm hungry too. I'm like, hey, man, get one of these uh, candy bars right here. You know, you know, uh, get some of these chips. Or I tell them, hey, go down to the lunchroom and ask them uh, if they got some snacks for me. Mm-hmm. And I tell them, don't ask for you, ask for me. And then, and I'm actually am asking for me. I am asking for me as well because it's like, man, I need a snack too. So I tell them get get double what I want. So then I can share it like, okay. And next thing you know, I got double what I want. And then um, I tell them, thank you. Tell us one staff, thank you. And they, uh, then I share, depending on how many it is. Like, hey, you have, if it might be those tea, peanut butter, uh, uh, jelly, graham cracker bars. I love those things. Uh-huh. The other room would give me like 10 to 20. <laughs> I would take at least 90% of those for myself. And <laughs> like, hey man, here, we need another one. I give you another one, but man, they gave my favorite treat up here. So. Yeah. I'll share, but not willingly, but I'll share. But you know, it's it's every kid is different. So you gotta treat each situation carefully and respond to it differently or respond to it appropriately. Makes a lot of sense of getting to know the kids and addressing why they're doing what they're doing rather than just punishing the behavior and hoping yeah. that they stop doing it, which what I've seen is yeah, it just makes the kid not like the teacher and think that the teacher is mean or whatever. Yeah. It's so key. I when I was younger. Um, when I was, uh, back when I was talking about the basketball, like we had literally an extremely successful basketball program, six, seven, six, six, fifth, six boys, seventh, eighth grade boys and seventh, eighth grade girls. Like we were like literally dominating a lot of teams and getting to travel a lot of places in the Chicago area, playing around, playing different schools and playing different tournaments, which we haven't been invited to. Because we're so dominant, it was just, that's all. <laughs> they don't hunt you around. But um, you know, I would uh, some of those some of those kids were the, were the rowdy kids, and the teacher be like, uh, teacher be like, man, how do you get? That's how you get those kids on the controls. Like, uh, man, I just listen to them, and we talk, and I do give them some structure and stuff like that, and then um, you know, I support them. You know, if they, even if they weren't playing directly for me. I, as, besides being the um, the head basketball coach and the football coach, I was the athletic director too. So I would go watch these. I would just go and support these kids in sports. That truth be told, they know I don't even care about the sport. But I was like, man, I'm going out there because you part. You one of my students. We about to go out there. You about to embarrass some people. You about to make the other kids from from the other school quit their uh, <laughs> quit the sport because that's how good we are. You know, I just talk trash and. Yeah. support them and then you know i'll tell i would tell the teachers uh if you want great relationship do something outside of school you know all you gotta do is go watch the game and they'd be like oh mr so-and-so miss so-and-so you can't watch the game how'd i do and you just tell them some stuff you can be you could be bs and they'll believe it you know yeah 
you know, I, I have a, a history of telling the brutal, honest truth. And I'll tell a kid in a heartbeat, like, yeah, you play like trash today. <laughs> you maybe come all about here, you play like trash. They probably already know, play. right? Yeah. Next time, next time I come out here, you better not play like trash. And, you know, they'll be like, all right, bet. Like, I got you. I got you. You know, uh, I even made um, my principal, my current principal, um, for the girls, only had seven, seven, eight girls. And like when I, and this, this, this team had the McDonald's all American on it. Like it was my first McDonald's, that was my only McDonald's all American, but she had, she's like six, one <laughs> magnificent, just a beast. Yeah. And um, nobody really came to see the girls play. And so like we made it to the final four of the city, which was hard back in the day for yeah. CP, extremely hard. Final four for the city, and uh, I told my boss, like, look, boss, um, you ain't seen these girls play all year long. You need to come see these girls play. And not if not for the fact that you don't like basketball, I don't give a damn if you don't like basketball. Your old ass need to come see these kids, these girls play, because you're a woman, you represent what they are, they, yeah. you got to support them, so support them. And she showed up, and the kids they loved it, yeah. went crazy. Like it was a final four game, so we actually had way more fans than usual. Nice, but all the kids and the girls went crazy. We lost that game because the the refs cheated. That's a whole different story, too. <laughs> that 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 that's probably related to a whole another basketball game. But you know, um, like it's not too many times you lose with a six one All American, right? <laughs> who can do everything along with everybody else that can do everything to a team that can't really do anything, you know. But that's a whole different story. But you know, just just going to see the kid play a game or um, being a little bit slightly involved in their outside life, yeah, scene, you know that that helps out a lot, a lot. You know, so like I used to be that teacher that was like, "Oh, there go my kid. Let me hide." Now it's like, man, I don't even, I don't even care no more. They they're like, "Mr. Bester," it's like. Man, who the hell that's, that's called me? And then let's see, you know, I'm right there. They're right there. We're, we're talking, and I'm actually having a genuine conversation. Like, like after school, like my best friend, he actually lives on the next block from, from where from where I work at, and I uh, bought a condo over there. And um, like I'll go over there, have drinks, and smoke cigars. And sometimes we'll walk around the neighborhood, smoke cigars. We'll I would literally walk around the school, smoke cigars, and this after school is my time. And then yeah. the kid comes and like, what's best? What's going on? And they see me in my element, and I have a conversation with them. My buddy would have a conversation with them. Just be, just, just, yeah, genuine. Yeah, you know. So now I don't try to be fake with the kids. Or what, what do the kids call it? No cap. I try. I try not to cap the kids. <laughs> Did you describe that term for many, some of our audience, including myself, who might not know what it means? Well, I think it's uh not being fake. So when they say uh when the kids say cap. Oh, you cap, you just being fake, you lying or something. You, it's something. Okay. I know enough. It, it, they said it enough where it's like, man, I got to find out what the hell this means. So yeah. I asked them and they told me. She's like, okay, okay, now that makes sense. I was like, that's a stupid word. Right. But it's like, but okay. Yeah. And sometimes I'm, I might, I might uh, put in uh, interweave into class. I might say, uh, <laughs> uh, like they say the answer is wrong. I'd be like, oh man, you capping right now. You, you in ain't no way you in no way you thought that was the correct answer, you know. So uh yeah, I, I try to be as genuine as possible and I, I do try to have relationships with the kids. Nice. Yeah, it sounds like that's the hugest part of it. So that's really great advice. And I'm really 
grateful for your knowledge to be brought in here. Um, We're going to wrap up soon, but I just like to know, is there any one piece of advice that you'd like to give to teachers? Um, man, so much. I can, I can say what I would do for me, you know, uh, I guess be genuine. Uh, I've already talked to the relationship thing, but also take care of yourself while you're teaching, you know, um, make time for yourself. Cause I mean, this, this job is, as we all know, extremely unthankful at times. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is time consuming. So, you know, I, this is the, fir- this is literally the first time I've actually, uh, had a zoom or any type of video conferencing since what was that December 18th or December 19th, whatever that was, whatever the last day of school was for me. Um, I have not, oh, I have not checked the email. I have not done anything, you know, so anything school related. So if you can limit the amount of hours you deal with school, cause it can be draining, you know, um, now I'm trying to get to the point where I don't bring a book back to school or bring a book back from school. You know, that's not, you know, as a teacher, you know, that's not always going to happen, but you know, um, create more time for yourself because this is a draining job. Then mm-hmm. you know? if you being genuine and yourself, more yourself helps you out with um, teaching and give it a shot, you know, um, don't, don't cap. don't cap but you know uh yeah so if it works for you and you know you think it might work and you think it you know that's what i did instead of those first two weeks of teaching that i ever did i was like man i'm about to quit this job right it's illegal you know what i had to think about it the people who taught me this job the most for the most part have been a job in a while so this job has evolved it changes all the time yeah very true so you know, I'm gonna go with the flow. So I need to change. So I, I instead of became, be, being uh, Mr. Best, I became Mr. B, I became Bester, uh, Coach B. Mm-hmm. And then I became more myself and the kids gravitated to that. Right. So I got students who actually call me up and they're like, hey, Bester, you wanna get a beer? It's like, uh, you paying? And they were like, yeah, <laughs> I'll pay. And then, then I was like, all right, well, I'm on the way then. <laughs> and then, you know, and that, that type of thing, you know, that type of relationship, like that. You know, yeah, I like can't my birthday. You know, um, that because um, I just I'm just genuine. So I, I don't like when I feel comfortable. I don't just shut down. I might open up. I don't talk that much to begin with. But you know, when mm-hmm. I feel comfortable, I'll talk a lot. Uh, if the situation requires me to talk a lot. Nice. And you know, it like you said, it kind of goes back to your reflecting and how you're just you know, taking some time to think about how things went, and you know, not necessarily obsessing about it, but just taking that time and just thinking and reflecting, going backwards and evaluating how you're doing, because yeah, this is a constantly evolving job. And if we're always just grinding out and working, you're going to burn yourself out. So that's really great stuff. So our final question that we ask every guest, what is it that helps you thrive instead of just survive in the work that you do? Um, I listen to, I listen and learn from my colleagues, my friends, um, like I miss, I miss them so much right now. Like we, we sit down and have lunch all the time. We talk trash. We or we talk about stuff that's not even school related. Or we talk about stuff that's school related. Um, listen and learn, observe. Um, and I've even learned. We've even had discussions about that on observations. It's like uh, 
think I calculated the exact amount of time, not the the a uh, small percentage. Like you know how everybody gets observed. That small little snapshot, when you put it into perspective, is not even close to. I think it's not even close to one percent of what you actually do throughout the year. So that I mean, if if you focus on that, that observation, I know everybody focuses on those observations and get nervous and stuff like that. I don't get nervous. It's like, man, whatever. Just give you give me an F. I don't care. I'm just gonna do what I need to do. You know, this 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 lesson may be great. This lesson may bomb, but who knows? You know. So think about how significant something is versus something else. So like one one time, I actually had an observation with uh, and I actually had it with my vice principal, who I know is tougher. I observe it in my principal, but I like my vice principal because she tells me the truth. Mm-hmm. So I'm getting ready to teach a subject that I, a topic that I've taught millions of times, and I just had this coughing fit. I almost died during the during the uh, observation, but I kept going. Yeah. And the kids, the kids, they just kept going too. Like, man, Miss B, you gonna be all right? Like, yeah, I'll be all right. Hey, go go give me some water real quick. And you know, um, that. I mean, that was that was the normal everyday stuff, except for the coffee. It was normal everyday stuff that I would do, but yeah. they responded to it the way they, they should have responded to it. Yeah. You know, they they checked if I was all right. Clearly, I, I wasn't because I just started coughing out of nowhere. And um, you know, they kept they kept uh taking notes and stuff like that. They were patient, and it's it's all stuff that I don't tell them to do. You know, I tell them like, hey, Miss Smith coming in, and you know, and they're like, all right, um, we got you, B, Mister B. So like, all right, cool. You know, they always got me, but you know, they actually they extra extra had me and they did what they're supposed to do, which, which is what they always do. And then um they just do it a tad bit more, you know. Mm-hmm. And um yeah, I mean it's it's the small things like that. Like every lesson not going to go the same every single time. Um every kid is not the same. Um that less than one percent observation that happens maybe twice a year, depending on who you are. Mm-hmm. It may not be the same. It's not reflective of everything that you do, period. You know, so if you, and if you prove proven other times that you do a hell of a job at other times versus that one observation, that observation is not the end all be all. You know, so I mean, I've had, like, that helped introduce technology into the school. Yeah. From observation, because like I stole one of my, te- my uh, colleagues' um, smart boards that I wanted. Because <laughs> I didn't get one, and I stole it. Like they weren't using it. And I was actually, I actually happened to know from um, um, being in charge that day and walking around the building. They gave me a sub, so I walk around the building, do uh, preventative uh, um, discipline, I guess. Check on kids. Not on teachers. Like I just look through the window and sit down. And then I just happened to see a smart board not being used. It had like paper and stuff on it. Right. Like, man, yeah, I just I just took it over the summer and just left it in my room. And then I hooked it up and. The, te- the, the principal saw me do it during observation. Next thing you know, we all got smart boards in the classroom or uh, Promethean boards. Right. Granted, I was the last person to actually get an upgrade, even though I introduced everything and they had me test everything. Yeah, you know, yeah don't don't sweat the small stuff because when it's all said, no, it's all small stuff. That's true. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you very much, Carlos, for joining us. I really appreciated the conversation. I know that there's a lot of great nuggets of just extreme knowledge here. So thank you for joining us. Thanks for listening to the Elam Thriving Podcast. If you like what you heard, hit subscribe. It would mean a lot to us if you left some feedback. You can learn more about us at our website, elamcs.org. Thanks again for listening.